0: Welcome to the High Performance Nursing Podcast, where we seek to coach, educate and inspire nurses globally to achieve their high performance potential. Learn from influential clinicians having curious conversations to help you navigate your unique high performance nursing career path. Join me, your host, Liam Caswell, nursepreneur, coach and mentor, as we explore how you can create a balanced high performance nursing career. Let's do this. Today we have a treat. We are talking about something very topical in nursing and I have an amazing guest here that's nodding her head saying yes, this is very topical. Tammy Copley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you going?
1: Um, well, thank you, Liam. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's a great pleasure and, and uh, very humbling to be asked to come. Thank you.
0: Oh, absolutely. I am in awe of the work that you're doing in this space around bullying and harassment, online and social media and in so many other places within your career. I would love you to tell the high-performance nursing community a little bit more about yourself, if you're happy to do that.
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you. I started nursing in 1981. So 40 years this year, so maybe a celebration party coming up, who knows?
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can't believe it's 40 years. You just say, oh my gosh, where did that time go? So in 1981, I started training at Gympie in Queensland as an enrolled nurse and then followed that with my registered nurse training through Nambour Hospital, also in Queensland. And we did all of our, well, we did three or four clinical areas at the Royal Brisbane Hospital. But uh, we did all of our lectures at Royal Brisbane. Otherwise, all of our practical was at Nambour. So we kind of trained between two hospitals, a regional hospital and a major city hospital. Then following on from that, yes, I went in to do midwifery. So I worked as a midwife and before I trained as a midwife, even before actually I backtrack between my ENs and RNs training, I trained at Royal Brisbane as a maternity nurse. Mm. And then yeah, later went on to do midwifery and had some amazing mentors in midwifery then after that decided i wanted to do child health and we were the first cabs off the rank in university to do our child health training and it was extremely interesting i'd never set foot in a university let alone done any nursing training then and there was still the them and us between hospital and university mm-hmm. training so that was an interesting experience doing that and i left feeling completely ill equipped to be a child health nurse because i was used to the hospital training system with three qualifications already under my belt but went back to work in midwifery and from there i went to work in the university sector and really really enjoyed working with students absolutely loved that from there i went into some agency nursing and got around a little bit saw some things that i liked then i went into to work in an aboriginal community controlled organization and that was just, I loved it. I just loved working in the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander community and working with the South Sea Islanders. It was absolutely an amazing
2: experience. Mm.
1: From there, I, so in there I did, I worked as registered nurse, midwife child health nurse, sat on the panel for the, people probably heard of the Triple P Parenting Programme. So I was on the panel there where we were trying to put together the Aboriginal Triple P Programme that now exists today. So, yeah, did a lot of stuff there and had some really exciting opportunities. Then from there, I went back into agency nursing for a while, did some more university work and ended up back in the maternity units, then ended up back in child health. I've worked in child protection in a in a community organisation in child protection. So I worked there as a, a registered nurse, registered midwife, child health nurse, and I had some other hats. I was a workplace health and safety officer there, which I got that qualification while I worked in Indigenous health. Then I also worked in the child protection sector too as a child and family therapist. So I'd have a child say in therapy today, a couple of days time, I might have mum or dad or the carers. And at some point we bring them all together to try and do some attachment and bonding work. And, you know, so it was basically for children who were in the system, but it was also to prevent children going into the system as well, to try and equip parents and to try to give them some good parenting skills and life strategies, I guess, to try and get them out of the system, you know, to try and really build families up. So, I've done a lot of different things, and I've sort of moved around in nursing a lot, like you have, nursing immediately free, and sometimes in different positions, worn many hats. I've been a nurse unit manager in three different places. One of those was Aboriginal community controlled, and two of those places were both public hospital sector. While I seemingly did well as a manager, My staff really loved me, my patients really loved me, but I can't say senior management loved me Mm. because I was always proactive for my patients and my staff because I think that's where the rubber hits the road. So I wasn't really great managerial material because I stood up and went, hang on a minute, you know? So I decided that, yeah, I didn't want to stick with that. Then I ended up doing my post-registration degree master's in nursing leadership and a graduate diploma as well. So I'm a bit of both university and hospital trained. I've been in every category of nursing. And at the moment I'm working as a clinical nurse in the community again, which I absolutely love my job, but I so miss being at the bedside. So I think that's me in a nutshell, as far as my nursing and midwifery career and child health career is concerned.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. That is amazing. I love everybody that listens to this podcast, including you, Tabby, you mentioned it earlier. I love the, the variation and the change and the constant progression and challenge within your own career over nearly 40 years it's amazing it's sensational to have achieved all of that throughout your career and I think it's important for people listening to realize that nursing is such an exciting career there are so many different opportunities different areas from public to primary health that you've worked in there's just such a variety within this career. And it's very, very exciting for people joining the profession to have people like yourself mentor them and guide them through and to be back clinical in the community. how What's that like from going from managerial responsibilities and all of the other roles and wearing all the different hats to being back clinical? What's that like?
1: Well, I just thrive clinically. I think that's just my area because I just love to love people. It doesn't matter whether it's my colleagues or whether it's my patients. Whereas in management for me, I guess over the years a lot of people said to me, you are a natural leader. And I couldn't see that. It like people said that to me for a couple of decades and I'm like, but I don't see that. I don't get that. And I kept saying to them, I'm just me. And I still say that today, I'm just me, you know. (laughs) But I guess it was when I had that Management experience that I went, now I get it. Mm-hmm. Now I get it because then I left management, went back into the clinical arena, and I think it was back in the clinical arena that I went, aha, uh-huh, got it, mm-hmm. I'm a leader. So people in my personal life, people in my professional life kept saying, you're a leader. When I did my master's in nursing leadership, we looked at the difference between nurses that are leaders and nurses that are managers and quite often you don't get both in one person you're either a manager or you're a leader you could be both or you can be neither mm. you know mm. and it, just because you're a manager does not make you a leader just because you have got a particular title we call them nursing leaders but they're not necessarily nursing leaders. Mm. So I guess, you know, my personal and professional experience Because I've finally come to realise in this later stage of my life, oh, okay, I am actually a
0: leader. <laughs> I love that because as you were just starting off that, that section there, I'm thinking you're a leader, not a manager. and I, I relate <laughs> to that because I also have been in management positions and I struggle with the management side of it because I can do it but like yourself maybe you know there's a, an element of pushing the boundaries or advocating on behalf of the patients and the staff which for me is critical and if I can't do that within my leadership role then I don't really want to be a manager and that's kind of where I find myself it sounds like you might have had quite a similar experience. Oh look
1: I, I can give you an example from from a couple of the management positions I've had, one of those was a hospital that I had actually trained, done, done some of my nursing training in because, of course, I've done a lot of training over the years. <laughs> but this particular place that I had trained in, I went back 20 years later, not as the person learning, but as the manager. And I was going back to manage people who were still there 20 years later. I was their subordinate and now I'm their manager. Mm. And I. I did implement quite a lot of things when I first started, as most managers do. They come in with all these great ideas of what they want to do. But the things I did, the staff came to me and it really, I can't tell you how it affected my heart. Like, you know, that sense of like, what? They came to me as a group and said, nobody has cared for us in 20 years. Wow. And I said, I beg your pardon. Mm-hmm. And they repeated it and I asked what, like, what did they mean? Like, how did they mean that? And they said, well, and you know those big boxes that you get and you fold them into pigeonholes? They're just cardboard, right? Mm. So that was one thing. They said, oh, you've got us pigeonholes for our internal mail. And I said, I beg your pardon? (laughs) I I said, it's a piece of cardboard. And they said, but we've asked for that for a very, very long time. We weren't allowed to have that. How come you got that so quick? Because I got it for them in the same day, like Mm. within hours really. And I said, how did you do that? And I said, I walked down to stores with my form. I said, can I please have this? I brought it straight back up to the ward. I put it together while they were working and had it there. And I had up a humour board for them and I had like we called it a warm fuzzies bag back there where you could anonymously put encouraging notes into each other's little bag and, and you could come along every so often and have, oh, wow, I someone that. thinks that oh, I've had a great job in this or whatever. Mm. So I brought in a lot of things in that workplace and another thing I brought in there, and we don't do this anymore, but Tats and Tiara's Day, it was to raise money. It was a health promotion, disease prevention. Mm. Kind of thing. I can't remember what it was for, but it's like Jeans for Jeans Day and all those yeah. sort of things. And I got all the the merchandise from the company and said, you know, we're more than happy to sell this to raise money for you and to bring awareness for this. And I put it all out on the, the, you know, the nurse's station and visitors and patients would come and get the things. And they were just little, those water tattoos that you put on yourself and little plastic tiaras you'd wear on your head. And this big burly enrolled nurse, male enrolled nurse came in to me one day and he said, tell me this Tats and Tiaras day tomorrow, I really want to wear a tattoo. Do I have to wear it up under my sleeve? I said, oh, for goodness sake, no. I said, no, just wear it wherever. Just not on your hands. You know, you've still got to do your infection control, but no, just wear them. And he said, oh, but what about senior management? What if I get in trouble for that? I said, look, for all I care, you can wear it on your face. If they've got a problem, you tell them to come and see me. I'm your manager. I've made that decision and they can Mm -hmm. take it out on me if they want to. I said, feel free. So he came in the next day with tats on his face. Hats on his, the lower part of his upper arms, and he had a tiara on.
2: Love
1: it! <laughs> it was just beautiful, you know. So, and no one ever said anything. Senior management didn't say a word because they said, you know, if they want to fight health promotion and disease prevention, we've got a serious problem in this place. <laughs> and mm. then I'd be out showering patients or making beds, and they said, "What are you doing? You're the manager." And you know, I said to them, "Listen, if you're an enrolled nurse, a registered nurse." if you're a nurse unit manager, what do you hear me keep saying? And they're all standing there dumbfounded. I said, nurse, enrolled mm. nurse, registered nurse, nurse unit manager. Mm. And it clicked for them and they went, wow, you know, but I did end up leaving that place because of bullying. Mm. Before it got too bad, like I saw it coming and I just went, no. Then another, when I worked in one of the other places, I had to call a staff member into my office one day and I said to her, you're not in trouble, so don't worry, just, you know, come when you're ready. And she came in shaking like a leaf and I said to her, look, you know, staff have said to me that they've noticed that you're, you know, getting really angry, short-tempered, that you're not managing as well as you normally do. I said, and I handed something, a piece of paper to her. and I said, I want you to fill this form in. And here's another piece of paper. This is a conference I want you to go to that's coming up soon. I want you to fill that form in. It's already approved for you to go. Please go. And they don't have this thing anymore, but it's called the Stress, Health and Humour group. And it was a doctor and a nurse who got together and decided we need humour. They did videos and books and stuff. Laughter is the best medicine. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely an amazing conference. It said, you're going to laugh for eight hours or six hours, whatever a conference is. But said, you're going to laugh all the time. She looked at me, she went, are you serious? I said, "Yes." Yeah. She said, you're sending me to a conference? Yes. She said, I thought I was in major trouble. I said, no, I told you you weren't in any trouble. I don't, mm. I don't approach staff that way, you know. I said, if there's a problem, I'm happy to help you work through that problem. It's not about disciplining you. It's not about anything like that. It's about nurturing you and I want you to go to this conference. She went to the conference, she came back and she said, oh, thank you so much. That was just so funny. That was so great. Mm. And she had a completely different attitude. We don't get that these mm-hmm. days.
2: Mm. You know,
1: so, yeah, there's all these wonderful stories that I can tell you from my nursing management roles um, and also some bad stories, like I'm not good with budgets and, and that. But oh in course. one of the places I put the budget up and the staff said, we've never ever seen a budget. So I used to put the budget up for them to see and I used to show them the graph of sick leave and annual leave and, and everything that was around it. And they went, like, oh, wow, now we get this. As nurses, we don't see this. We don't know how much an IV bag costs or how much a dressing pack costs and why it's so important to be careful with how we use things.
2: Mm.
1: So it's just those little things and, and they're, they're the positive things that brought away from my managing experience
0: but yeah you Mm. can't be a leader anymore you've got to be a manager yeah and it's that fine yeah there's not even a fine line is there really you're right you have to either lead or manage and it you're kind of always caught between this ethical and moral dilemma of i'm a nurse first and foremost i would need to come and help you on the floor but there's so many conflicting priorities and it's really challenging to navigate. Like, so a lot of people that get into management or leadership roles are ill-equipped. Unlike yourself, they maybe trying. haven't done a master's in healthcare leadership. And when I did my master's in healthcare leadership, I had an aha moment. I went, oh my goodness, this is why we have the problems yeah. that we have. Because well, I did
1: my master's of nursing leadership after I did my three management positions. I had no mm-hmm. training whatsoever to step into the role. They still don't today. And it was after I got out of management that I did a master's in nursing leadership so, thought, Tammy, you've done this back to front. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were your not.
0: reflections at that point after doing the master's of leadership?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was eye-opening. I, I thought, wow, you know, like, yeah, so leadership is different from management. No, yes, you know, and it sort really gave me a bit more idea mm. of that, yes, I was more of a leader than a manager, but it certainly helped me realise the strategies that I was using were better than what you would do in management. Mm. And it helped me to see that was the time that I went, oh, I'm a visionary. Yes, I've got the ideas, I've got the stuff that I need someone to do the doing. So I realised that I could easily go into a workplace and be a leader. I could go in and be a visionary and that's a leader is a visionary. Mm. A leader grows people, a leader challenges people to grow, but they're not a person who dictates. And if you follow fine, if you don't, that's fine too. So, yeah, the Masters of Nursing Leadership, like, of course, we studied different nurse leaders, like, you know, and nursing theorists and, and, and people, people like that, which was interesting. And everyone's got their own leadership style or whatever. But, yeah, it's about growing and loving and nurturing people. And, yeah, that's where I fit it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love that so much and empowering them. It sounds like you just empowered those teams that you worked with. And that's yeah. inspiring for staff on the floor. And, and I love that story about the smallest little thing and the pigeonholes for the male, you know, that is just, I mean, that didn't, that would have taken you maybe half an hour maximum, you know, not a lot of time. And the reward as a leader manager is just huge. Um, Mm I mean, I think we underestimate the power that we have as leaders uh, to really make a positive impact in somebody's day with Mm -hmm. the smallest of actions than nursing itself. Mm -mm. Mm. Yep. I would love to pick up on why we're here to talk tonight about bullying and harassment, yeah. very topical. And you know, as we talked about earlier, it it, it is a global pandemic secondary yes. to COVID. It was there before COVID, but it is something that is chronic disease within the health system. Unfortunately, it is not just isolated to nurses and midwives, but that's what we're kind of focusing on tonight. Tell us a little bit about your work in that space. I know that you have set up Nurses and Midwives Against Bullying Australia, which is an online social media platform on Facebook. It's mm-hmm. a group that has over nearly a 1,000 followers in the group, which is great and sad. I'm in the same mm-hmm. breath because yes. we really shouldn't need to have that platform. But we do, and I'm so grateful that you have set that up. So tell us a little bit about how you got to that point. Touched on that earlier about some kind of bullying in previous organizations and we all unfortunately have those stories I have those stories and you're creating a platform for people to share them tell us a bit about that
1: yeah so I mean bullying's been around for a long time and as I said I'm a hospital trained nurse so back in the day or back in my day anyway the the sisters were really quite strict and they ruled with an iron fist but I don't remember bullying being as bad then as it is now and it's taken on a whole new meaning now and lots of different things are used as bullying techniques now that never were back then. And so we've seen this growth of bullying. And, and I've called bullying an epidemic for a long time. And then before COVID hit, I went, no, this is a pandemic. Because it doesn't matter who you speak to anywhere in the world, whether it's the UK, the US, New Zealand, wherever you, even over in, in various places in Europe, it doesn't matter where you talk to people. The strategies of bullies all seem to be the same. There are Mm. common threads everywhere. And the more I looked into it, the more I thought, no, this is a pandemic, not an epidemic. Mm. Then COVID hit, and they called it a pandemic. People started dying from COVID. And I went, yeah, it's like this rampant virus that's gone through the world and it's killing nurses and midwives too. Mm. And, Nurses and midwives, there's research out there to show that we are four times more likely than the general population to die by suicide. And that is a frightening statistic. It's terrifying. More and more and more nurses and midwives were talking to me about their bullying experiences. And yes, I've been bullied even more recently. And... It wasn't my experiences that caused me to stand up as much. It was listening to more and more people saying the same thing. Mm. I was sitting on my bed one night and for months, for many months I'd wanted to create a Facebook page. And I kept thinking, oh, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. And, Why would I do that? And who am I to do that? You know, all the normal Mm -hmm. things that Mm -hmm. people go through, you know, that
0: imposter syndrome. um, Yeah, imposter
1: syndrome, definitely. And Mm -hmm. I've put stuff on the page before about imposter syndrome. And it was definitely like, well, who am I? And I'm a nurse, I'm a midwife. And then I thought, well, that's it. That's why. Because you're a nurse, because you're a midwife. That's why. I was sitting in my bed one night and I won't tell you exactly what I said, but I'm sitting on the bed asking myself all these questions and going, why are you not doing this? And it came down to two particular organisations. Mm-hmm. And I went, right. And I'm thinking about those two organisations and what's happened within those two organisations and why that's holding me back. And then I pictured one particular person from one of those organisations, and I won't say the words I said, mm-hmm. but I sat on my bed basically saying, damn you. Mm-hmm. And with that, the page was born. Because yeah. so I thought, why... Should I allow your behaviors to stop me getting out there helping nurses and midwives? So that night the page was born, and yes, we've gradually grown through that. Mm. When I spoke to some people about the page, I said to them, If we can save the life of just one nurse or midwife, this page is worth it. Mm. And I can't honestly tell you how many people have contacted me through private messaging or made comments on the page or through our survey, and we've got another survey that we keep wanting to put out, but I'm very, very timeful. (laughs) But the number of people have said, because of this page, I have not taken my life. I've had people on the phone saying to me, I want to kill myself, I had literally on one night, I had two people messaging me at the same time, both Mm. in different states, Mm. one in the emergency department, the other one at home both wanting to take one had attempted to take their life that night it was an emergency the other one was at home wanting to and i'm simultaneously messaging both of these Mm. people back and i don't want to make a habit of that because you know the page is not about psychologically supporting people and stuff and i'm not trained to do that Mm. i am a mental health first accredited mental health health first data but yeah not particularly my role but i do often put things up and we've got topics tabs where people can go in and find and mental health support who they can ring or information etc but i said if we can save one life i can't tell you now how many lives the page has actually saved people who have decided to keep going people who have said that the pages are encouraging them to to try again or, or whatever it has been phenomenal so mm-hmm. those statistics you know are, are definitely real we need to be careful in nurturing each other so i guess that's a, a short version of why is the page
0: come about? I mean, you know, just listening to that is heartbreaking that there are mm. our peers, our colleagues, the people that we go to work with every day that put mm. on a face because we all do. We all pull on that happy face because we're there first and foremost for the patients yes. and and then second always ourselves <laughs> as nurses. And, mm. you know, we've got people that are around us that are feeling like that and they're not feeling safe to speak up. And uh, getting to that point, it is just so I just can't even explain that really affects me because I just feel like we we this this is such a real problem, such an unspoken problem day to day that's not really addressed within the workplace or it's brushed very quickly under the carpet. Um, and people are suffering. And, uh, like, thank you so much. Thank you, Tammy, for for creating this platform for people because it's obviously so valuable. And we know, like, we have, what, over half a million nurses in Australia working in the health system and public and private. It would be quite telling to see how many people within that number, that figure, have experienced bullying harassment.
1: Yeah. Oh, the numbers would be massive. And we have called for research, but that's been denied. I think what you just said something really important. You said about patients, and mm. I think we need to keep in mind that even though we put our patients first, our patients suffer when we suffer. Yes. Yep. And some of the tactics of bullying are things like workloads, things like ratios. Mm. You know, it, it can be things like people using things such as performance plans. They they're using learning contracts. They're using code of conduct and. And things like that to discipline nurses. And a lot of them, a lot of stories I'm hearing, the, the stories are absolutely wrong that things have been made up against these nurses and midwives. So there might be just the tiniest grain of truth in it, and then it's exaggerated to, the, to a huge extent. I can tell you that my most recent bullying experience was absolutely, phenomenally made up. And it was disgusting. The things that were said to me about me were disgusting. So I know what nurses and midwives are going through. Mm. It's not just that I've decided, well, you know, I'm going to go big night myself. No, it's because too many nurses and midwives have been diagnosed with PTSD or some that I believe are inappropriately diagnosed with adjustment disorder. Every time a nurse says, I've been diagnosed with adjustment disorder, I go, you know, because why should you adjust to bullying? You know, it's not an adjustment disorder. There's I, I believe that these people probably do have PTSD and I can't say that because I don't know their entire story. I'm not a diagnostician. Yeah. But why are we stopping short of saying PTSD? Mm. And a lot of these nurses and midwives say, Well, the doctor said there wasn't quite enough, or wasn't there, really? You know, to, to diagnose the PTSD.
0: We know from the research, we know from patient experience research, we know from the minute that someone experiences a negative comment, experience, you know, bullying, harassment, that 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 is detrimental to the psyche. You know, we we have that immediate fight or flight. And that in itself, on one isolated occasion, is enough to put someone into a spiral, into a spiral of mental health and, and, you know, know, low self-worth, making errors at work impacting yes. the patient experience, impacting the team's culture, just because mm-hmm. of one off-the-cuff comment that somebody might have said that was completely inappropriate and not um, true. It's, yes. it's just terrifying that this happens. And I, I kind of wanted to touch on the fact that you talked about, you know, these, uh, these nurses and midwives that are going through this. And what, what do you think is driving it? Like, what, what's your observation? Why do you think we've got to this point where bullying is such a problem?
1: Oh, look, I think there's a lot of factors. I think the society itself has changed. And I think, you know, there's been a societal shift that we don't have the same respect and regard for people that we used to have. And I don't just mean as nurses and midwives, but that is true as well. But it's a societal shift that, that we've seen. We're seeing less relationships and we're seeing more, like KPIs, I think we need to get rid of KPIs. Since KPIs came in Patient care has deteriorated, you know, because it's all about the mighty dollar. We don't have a healthcare system driven by healthcare. We have a healthcare system driven by the dollar. And I get that. Like, I get that healthcare is very expensive. But it's like child health nurses they are trying to get rid of child health nurses. You know, there's a big push around the country to get rid of them well why would you do that when from antenatal care basically right through we're doing health promotion disease prevention at that young age we're less likely to have a health burden in the future and have mm. all these people in cardiac wards and and so on and so forth but instead we're spending money on tertiary instead of on prevention so we've got our health system back to front
2: mm-hmm.
1: we've also we have a worldwide shortage of nurses and midwives but yet nurses and midwives can't get jobs. What is that about? We've got ratios that are ridiculous. Look at our aged care homes. And mm. I'm very passionate about our aged care homes and how people are being treated. And I've been very proactive in the aged care sector in doing the you know, the aged care campaigns and pushing to get to the Royal Commission and that sort of thing. We need to look at our mental health nurses. You know, where is their safety and security as well? You know, these two sectors in particular are very short-staffed. So aged care and mental health and the two can overlap as well. We know that with dementia care and stuff. Mm. So nurses and midwives working in those areas, they're really under a huge amount of pressure and strain. Then we have, you look at the midwives, they have got to do so many learning packages, it's ridiculous. There's so much medical intervention, it's insane. And you've got women wanting women-led Care, and that's what midwives are there for. Midwife means with woman. Mm. If you look at the amount of training midwives have to do, they ought to be getting some more autonomy, and they need to be getting paid closer to that of an obstetrician-gynecologist, quite frankly. But midwives are being dumbed down as well. It doesn't matter what sector you work in; it is getting worse and worse. So I think the other thing too is the career structure. I was living in the UK in 1991 when the career structure, certainly the one in Queensland anyway, started. It's one of the worst things we ever did. When I came back, people who were friends before were now enemies because, oh, you got a level two position and I have to stay as a level one. And So we've got this competitive career structure and we've got too many people at the top. It is top heavy. Mm. When I trained, we had one matron and we had one deputy matron for the hospital. Now we've got like the executive director of nursing and midwifery services, that might be one person, but under her, you don't have one person. You've got four, five or six or however many, you know, and it's very top heavy and it's dog-eat-dog to get to the top. So that's another problem. We used to say that most bullying came from the medical profession and it did years ago. The majority of it was from the medical profession because they saw us as their handmaidens. They didn't see us as being professionals. They didn't see us being a valuable part of the team now it's mostly top down it's also horizontal because you know we know about horizontal violence we used to have the saying many years ago nurses eat their young we still have that saying but i think it's outdated and it's ageist it's very ageist it's saying only the older nurses and midwives eat the younger ones that's garbage that term needs to go it's outdated it's ageist it's discriminatory Mm. what we need to be doing is calling it what it is Nurses and midwives bully each other Mm -hmm. or nurses and midwives bully nurses and midwives because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. There's a term that's been put out that because nurses eat their young, therefore we're cannibalistic, which some people go, yeah, that's what it is we eat each other. And other people go, no, that's an offensive term. That's not professional. I believe let's step away from that and let's just call it what it is. Nurses and midwives bully each other. You know, let's just call it for what it is. Then I think on top of that, we need to be looking at pay, uh, nurses and midwives being paid enough. Yes, we're paid better than a lot of people overseas, but where do we sit when it comes to other health professionals? Mm. OTs and physios came out of nursing and yet they can practice independently. We fought for decades, forever, you know, really to get nurse practitioners now. Yep. So now there's another level of of nursing and midwifery, that, that's a bit of a threat and there's been a lot of arguing. So I think we've got a lot of issues at stake and more and more is being expected of nurses and midwives. Codes of conduct, as I said, are being used as bullying tools and people are getting reported to APRA for no reason, but then APRA investigates everybody and even if you get cleared, it's an anxious period. You know, It's so a prolonged period. A lot of issues. Yeah. 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 yeah, and
0: it takes a year out of your life you know, has a a long lasting impact on your well-being and your mental well-being moving forward. Absolutely. I think, you know, you just call it what it is. Call it what it is. Bullying is bullying. Harassment is harassment in the workplace. And there is no space for it. There is no space. There's no need for it in healthcare. But when you look at all of the factors that come into that you've just discussed and more, unfortunately, it's something that we face. But in talking about that, if if someone's listening tonight or today and they're listening and they're thinking about potentially feeling like they're being bullied, what does that look like for someone? Because bullying is one of those things that people can be very quick to jump to and can say, oh, my God, I'm being bullied. Mm -hmm. And it might not necessarily be bullying or it might be harassment or it might just be an off the cuff comment or it might just be inappropriate and somebody said that. Who knows what it is? How how does someone identify that they're being bullied?
1: Okay, so, yeah, you're right. Some people claim that something's bullying and it's not, and it has to meet the legal definition. Mm. So essentially, just putting it into one very small sentence, bullying is sustained, repeated, unwanted behaviour from another individual that undermines you. And I think what we don't recognise in bullying is what we call flying monkeys. And mobbing and I ask a lot of people do you know what that means no no most people haven't mm. um flying monkeys is taken from the Wizard of Oz and I've never believe it or not at <laughs> my age never seen or heard the Wizard of Oz so oh I only know a little bit but there's a, a witch or a queen or a somebody in yep. the Wizard of Oz and she used the flying monkeys to go and do her dirty work mm. but that's what bullies do they use these flying monkeys so it might be that I'm the manager and I say, oh, Liam, I'm really worried about Sue. I'm, I'm, you know, She just doesn't see myself lately. And just let me know how she's going and if you think there's anything I can do to help. And you going, oh, well, that's nice. Tammy's caring about Sue. And you care about Sue too. You know you get on well together, blah, blah. So you take a little more notice of Sue now that you're aware of this. And then you drop back to me a week later and go, yeah. I'm a bit concerned about Sue as well. I heard her arguing on the phone with someone in the corridor the other day. Then, you know, a couple of days later, I saw her in the tea room taking a tablet. I couldn't see what it was, but she was taking a tablet. And I saw her in the toilet crying one day. So you come back and tell me all that, and I'm going, hmm, thank you very much. And I race back to my office, and I do a file night. So that's adding to my bullying of Sue. But you don't know that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm doing the same with other nurses or midwives who don't know what I'm up to either but then I might have a different crew over to the side that they do know and they're you know they're nasty little bullies just like me and we are gossiping we are making her life difficult for her we're ostracizing her from the group we're not letting her progress we're not giving her opportunities it it can look like a lot of different things so then that mob come together and we all start mobbing her. And then I'm getting all this information on the side. Now, some flying monkeys, they do know, but a lot of flying monkeys don't know. And a classic example I use is the hospital that I used to work at. The team leader came to me and said, I want you to come to me and tell me if there's anything that Liam has not finished on his shift, I wanna know about it. And I thought, no, I'm not gonna do that because I'm not participating in pulling another colleague down. And then I kept hearing back from all these other midwives working with me that that team leader was doing exactly that with them too, that she wanted to know the dirt on all these other people. So it can be such a thing that a whole team is brought in to bully one person. Mm -hmm. And then by the time the unwitting flying monkeys realise that it's too late because they've been part of that bullying process, but then once once you realise that you know i've sucked you in and you've just made things worse for your colleague and you're seeing your colleague now suffering and realizing you're too scared to stand up and you're too scared to speak about it and then the mobs the mobbing has been going on for a while now and this person's destroyed they're they being investigated by APRA. they've been still down on pay all these different things are happening and nurses and midwives don't stand up we don't speak up for each other we'll speak up for our patients not for each other and then then we're in breach of the nmba code of conduct because section 3.1 says if we see bullying or no bullying happening to someone else or ourselves we must report it so we're in breach of the code of conduct straight away
0: wow yeah i've never heard of the flying monkeys and the mobbing but it makes sense and i, I feel like i've experienced both of those things yeah yeah definitely
1: it's yeah, another thing where you know they make you question your own reality or they'll mm. say something and say, oh, i never said that or you're too sensitive you're, you're just sensitive you know and it makes you question your own reality and am i really going insane like did all these things really happen or i'm sure she said that oh But she said, you know, so the three different ways, but, you know, bullying can be any number of things. So document everything.
0: And you know, it's crazy because isn't nursing busy enough? Like, aren't we already overworked and underpaid? And we do not need this extra layer of complexity. You know, I am such an advocate on and creating that psychologically safe environment for people to come and practice. And I guess that's a leadership trait. That's that visionary empowering. This can be better. And we can all contribute to that in a positive way. We do not need to deal with this stuff at work. We all have enough going on in our own lives. Never mind when we come to the, the place that's supposed to be safe for us professionally. And that code violation is really something to think about.
1: I often like, and like, if you think of it, we always, we say about our nursing family, You know, we go to work and that's our nursing family. We come from our own family, we go to our work family. We should not leave either of those places destroyed. And I often liken bullying to domestic violence because Mm. domestic violence happens in your home family and bullying, of course, happens in your work family. We are trying to criminalise domestic violence. We need to be criminalising bullying Mm. because a lot of people too who are bullied have been through child sexual abuse or they've been through domestic violence or they might have been through both. And it's not fair because people who are bullied are usually quite strong people, whether or not they've been through anything previously. But if you're re-traumatising someone who's previously been traumatised, how fair is that? And it shouldn't matter whether someone's been traumatised before or not. You simply just don't bully someone. But to destroy a person simply because there's something about them you don't like. Now, the bully usually will find a strength. It's a strength in that person that irritates them. They wish they had that strength themselves and they don't. So then to get at that strength, they try to find what they perceive as weaknesses in that person, which is still strengths. Things mm. like, you know, are oh, they're very compassionate or they stand up and speak for what's right or, mm. you know, they're a quiet person or they're a people pleaser or, or, you know, things like that. They'll find some perceived weakness to attack that strength. So if you've been bullied, There's a strength in you. So they don't go for completely weak people. Well, what they perceive is completely weak people. Mm. They go for people that they see as has a strength. So the only positive that comes out of this is they picked on you because you were strong in something.
0: Mm. That's so interesting. And, you know, when I think about my, without sharing too much, but when I think about my own experiences, I think sometimes I come back to this idea that I have, I think, oh my God, what's like, what's wrong with me type thing? Like I'm yeah. pushing the boundaries too much or, you know, I think we've all had this feeling where we go, oh, like, why me? Like I'm giving 110% and, yeah. and I'm advocating and I'm trying to push positive change and I'm really trying to lift up the profession, but it just grits on some people and yeah. they just jump on it. And it's really an mm-hmm. interesting way to think about it, the way you just discussed.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. And often it's not okay.
1: Pain, no, it's not okay. It's, it's never okay. okay. And I made a comment on their page today. Someone made a comment. I can't remember what they said, but I said it is not okay. It is never okay.
0: No, no, it's not okay. What would be your kind of top top tips for someone that is being bullied in the workplace? What should they be doing?
1: Okay, so document every shift. Reflection is really important. When I first started nursing, we weren't taught about reflection, but we seem to somehow naturally do it. Whereas reflection is being taught in universities these days. And I think that's good because some people don't naturally reflect. but I think the majority of us do because we take it home. We we try not to, but we'll be driving home going, oh, my gosh, I forgot such and such. Mm. I know I rang work at 2 a.m. one morning and said, oh, my gosh, I forgot to put a cup of water on so-and-so a chart. Would you please do that? And she (laughs) laughed. She said, can you just go to sleep? It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I know, you know. So we're all guilty of that. You know, we're driving home or we're in bed or we're in the shower and go, oh, my gosh. Or you're just thinking about a patient, you know, because you wonder how they're going or, you know, whatever it is, we, we take it home with us. So nurses are bad at leaving work at work. And we do have 24 hour continuum for for most places we work. I mean, in my current job, I'm a case manager, so I don't have anyone to take over if I don't do it. But the majority of nurses and midwives, we do. And and, Mm. I've been in that situation for a lot of my career where you do have someone else to take over. So if we can somehow try to leave that stuff at the door so that we're not taking it with us. But having said that, if you feel that you've been treated unfairly or you're sensing that something's not right, you need to document every single thing in that shift that you can possibly remember. And I tell people to have more than one copy because if your computer crashes, you want to have it on your USB or or a separate hard drive. If you do have a written copy, great. Keep even the notes. Take a notepad in your your pocket at work. Start jotting it down Mm. so that you don't forget it, you know, And if there's a witness there, write down, Liam Caswell was there, it was this time, this date, it was near the lift. There's a nurse that I'm supporting at the moment that has been through, well, now 12 years of consistent bullying. It's just terrible what's happened to her. And she's had a couple of wins in the Industrial Relations Commission, but still, you know, it is continuing. And they are going to chase her to the bit. There was one situation that she was in and I won't go into it, but we spoke on the phone one night and I said, what about CCTV footage? And so CCTV was pulled and she was found to be innocent. But this was a potentially extremely damaging thing to her career. Mm. You know, so notice, is there a CCTV camera around? Are you being called into your manager's office without warning? Ask the manager, what do you need to speak about? And if they tell you it's about something that you did wrong, or even if they say, oh, look, don't worry, it's nothing important, say, it must be important if you want me. Can you please tell me what it is? And say it in a polite way. And they might just say, oh, look, it's just simply to see if you can do a roster change, that's all. And if that's all it is, that's fine. And if that is all that happens in that room, that's fine. But if that roster change becomes, oh, but there's also this situation with Mr Smith in room 13, Mm. then say okay please tell me the details of it and then say to her i'm really happy to talk to you about that but not right now would you please tell me is this a formal discussion or an informal discussion mm-hmm. if they say it's formal ask for an email and ask for a, a very detailed agenda and then when you get that email you then contact your union or association and say, I need representation. You contact them immediately. You do not speak to your manager. You do not speak to anybody. Mm. And you keep all those diary notes that you've got. And as soon as you get that, you start making notes to each question because the union or the association that you're in are going to ask you to address all of those things. You can then, once you've heard back from the union, you can say, you respond to that email saying, thank you for this detailed agenda. I'm unable to meet at this date and time. However, um, I'm able to meet with you at an agreed time with a representative. So you don't say a support person, you say representative. The reason you do that is because the support person cannot speak. They can just sit there and support you. Mm. A representative can actually speak on your behalf. They can halt the meeting. They can calm you down and say, now, hang on, Liam, just take a breather and then they can speak for you. They can represent you legally. It could be a solicitor, it could be an organiser from your union or your association. And I say association because, for example, New South Wales Nurses and Midwifery Association, they're mm. actually the union, the branch of the ANMF. And yeah. in Queensland, we've got the NPAC, which is Nurses Professional Association of Queensland. Mm. So, you know, e- either one of those. And I'm not against anyone being in any union or association, the pages are open to everybody. And then follow what the union says and don't talk to anyone about it don't presume that your colleagues are your friends your colleagues are your colleagues at the end of the day and i've seen colleagues who have been the best of friends both at work and outside whose relationships have been ruptured so do not speak to anybody about it and you continue to make diary notes, so you keep it under your hat and follow closely what the unions say. If you don't think you're getting help from your union, and a lot of our members have felt very let down by their union, it doesn't matter what state they're in, then you push that union. You push them and push them and push them. Even do some research of your own. Follow a counsellor, like get a counsellor as soon as you can. I don't recommend the employee assistance support. The reason I don't recommend that is it's actually in-house. that You know, your employer pays for that. And I've spoken to too many nurses and midwives where there's been a direct breach of confidentiality, yeah, but right. not that they can prove it. Mm. So I say leave that as your last resort, but it is a resort. It is someone that you can speak to. Some nurses and midwives don't like going to... Yeah, nursing group with response, something like that. Mm. I, came, I kept coming up with nurses and midwife support group, but that's not right. But, yeah, it's, it's an arm of the NMBA. So some nurses don't like going there. Mm. But there are lots of places out there. So there's Beyond Blue, there's Lifeline. Go and see your GP. Get your GP to document bullying from day dot. Get a mental health care plan. Go and see a psychologist. If you need to, see a psychiatrist. If you need to, there are hospitals around that you can get admission to we in a work cover claim immediately. A lot of people don't get any luck with psychological injury with work cover claims. So don't worry, we've got that in our sites too. We've got up mm-hmm. our sites. We've got unions and associations in our site. They're, they've all failed. And as far as I'm concerned, that's complicity and bullying. Mm. So and watch for your employer because they will use plausible deniability, which means like, oh well, we didn't know about this, and then they'll explain why they didn't know about something, or the union might do that, or APRA might do that, or whoever. And that's just plain complicity.
0: Mm. Yeah, wow. Jenna, it strikes me you're talking through that list. There's so much gold there, there's so much, you know, valuable information for people that hopefully are listening that hopefully don't need I had to do, but if they do, it's there, and that is great advice. But I'm just listening to you, I'm thinking, you know, things like the manager sending out an agenda and sending out a time, all of that stuff should happen. Like, if they're going to have that conversation, that is good leadership practices. So, if you're a num or an Adon or a Don listening, you know, follow those practices. If you do need to have a, a difficult conversation with someone, follow the right processes because these are processes that are taught within HR. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about and ask you, it was sometimes people find it challenging within the workplace to talk about bullying or bring it up with the manager, with the senior management team, and even with HR, because often there's a very close relationship between nursing management and HR. And that's really hard because sometimes you feel like, well, where do I go? Because I know that if I go straight to H.R., it's probably going to end up on somebody's desk yes, um, without yes. my consent.
1: Yes, what would you say to I think you need to realise that H.R. is not there for the employee. The H.R. are employed by the employer to protect the employer. As far as employees are concerned, HR still needs to guide us in what are the policies and procedures, you know, what's our rights under the award, et cetera, et cetera, or to at least interpret the award. The union or the association is more likely to tell you what your rights are under the award and push them. So HR is really not there to protect you. They're there to alert you to policies and procedures of the award, but they're there to protect the employer. So they're not your friend. HR is not your friend. Work mm. cover is not your friend either because work cover is the employer's insurance to make sure that we try and fix that employee who's been injured. So work cover works really well for people with a physical injury, but when it comes to psychological injury, the vast majority are thrown out. Because what work cover do is they will ring your employer. So you put in a psychological injury claim, they actually ring your employer to see if that psychological injury actually happened. Well, guess what your employer's gonna say? <laughs> oh no, that stuff didn't happen, oh no. And there's this, 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 and then work cover going up. Mm. So the vast majority of people get nowhere. And this is why we want to challenge work cover and, and all of these laws. There's a lot of stuff that we really want to be challenging. Mm. Like why are uh, the unions and the employers not seeing these threads within bullying? So yeah, HR isn't your friends, they're there to get information from, that's about it. Who do you report to? Who knows? If you notice that there's something happening at work as far as physical safety goes, you've got a workplace health and safety representative and you can go and they can take it to the workplace health and safety committee, to the workplace health and safety officer. They can serve the employer with the PIN notice, which means there's something they must attend to within, I think it's three or five days or something like that. But when it comes to bullying, there's no one. And it's being suggested that workplace health and safety representatives should take on the bullying role. And I've kicked and screamed about that and said no, because they're not equipped to do that. But I'm being told, oh, but you know, they're guided by legislation, they've got legislation guiding them. How many workplace health and safety representatives are sat on by their employers not to report workplace health and safety matters or to brush them under the carpet? And then someone comes along with bullying that then no no one wants to talk about bullying. It's even worse than physical injury in the workplace. So we need a commissioner, regarding workplace health and say i've asked for a royal commission. i've said this is what we need we need research i keep mm-hmm. putting all these things forward and being told no so yeah it's an interesting question and what do mm-hmm. we do? who do we report to you know who's going to believe us and if it's your direct line manager are they being bullied by the person above them and that's why they're bullying you or do they not care or are they best mates or mm-hmm. it's, it's so hard. Much. Listen, finding it hard to
0: trust so much to it so much I'm... I don't know where we go. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Clearly, it's still very much a work in progress. And that is something yep. that you are continuing to work towards. Tell us about your campaign, your current campaign, You're campaigning for, let me get it right, vice president and councillor for the Queensland Nursing Midwifery Union. Is that correct? Yes. Awesome. Tell us about that.
1: Okay, so don't want to scare anyone off. If someone's a member of pack or a member of a union or association in another state, don't look at the page and go, oh, my gosh, this is run by QNMU. No, it is not run by QNMU. I'm a current councillor on the QNMU, and I don't mean councillor as in a therapist. Councillors are a bit like, I suppose, a um, city council where, you know, they're called councillors. We are basically the state board of the union, so we direct the direction of the union. So the council actually advised the the secretary and the assistant secretary how to perform their duties to lead the union in the direction we want them to go. Mm -hmm. So the secretary and assistant secretary are paid position and president and vice president are not paid. Councillors are not paid. So all of them, whether you're secretary or councillor, are elected by members to represent members. And this is pretty similar in most states Mm -hmm. and territories of Australia, how the unions work. So councillors are voluntary members elected by members to represent members and that's what i always say i'm a member represented by members to, to represent members it's a bit of a tongue mm-hmm. twister that that's essentially what council do And we tell the assist, as secretary and assistant secretary this is what we want you to do this is where we want the union to go mm. so i wanted to step up an option go to the vice president position because a i believe i've got a strong enough voice to speak up B, I want to be pushing the bullying agenda and a lot of other things like the Hk mm. care campaign and what are our wages, what is our safety and security, what do midwives need, what do mental health nurses need, you know, because nurses and midwives don't just work in hospitals, we work in lots of areas, rural and remote, I've worked in rural and remote areas, I've worked in regional, I've worked in metropolitan, I've worked at every level of nursing from enrolled nurse up to nurse unit manager. So I sort of got a, a fair glimpse. I've worked in GP practices. I've worked in the Aboriginal Community Controlled Organisation. So I want to take all of that knowledge and experience and say, hey, we are not just the public sector. We need to fight for public, private, aged care, community, dot, dot,
2: dot.
1: Mm. and But I believe being at that top table will help to change things a lot more and give us a bigger voice. What I also want to do with that is make sure that spreads around the states and territories too because each union looks at each other for what are you doing, what are you doing and this is the national agenda. This is not just a Queensland agenda. So for me it's the whole country. Mm. It's not just Queensland but I can have a voice in Queensland to hopefully affect around the country and get the other unions looking at us going, hey, why can't nurses and midwives stand up and start leading this and get rid of this pandemic the vaccination for bullying,
0: you know, yes. whatever. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm so glad that there's someone like you that is going for this and that is really pushing this agenda because it's so, so important. And w- where can people vote? What, what can people do to help you get to that point? Because I think those that have listened this evening well, I've got to know a bit more about you and a bit more about what you are really pushing within the union and what you will work towards in the future. And it will have a positive impact on all of us. So where can people go to to vote for Tammy?
1: So, well, yes, definitely vote for me. (laughs) Um, I have got a Facebook page. I can't remember what I've called it myself, but I think it's something like Tammy Copley for vice president slash councillor. Yes. Yep. something to that effect it's also i'm putting a few things on nurses and midwives against bullying page i had decided not to do that because i wanted to just i've always kept the page non-union and apolitical because yep. i don't want people thinking that they're not welcome because they're with impact and i'm with q that's not true i don't care who you are you're a nurse you're a midwife that's what matters to me mm. so australian electoral commission started posting out ballots on friday so they should be hitting people's letterboxes anytime soon. They could well be last time they were in a blank envelope. Don't open it and go, oh bloody union. Open it and go, bloody union. I'm gonna make some change here mm. because we need stronger voices and we need our union going in the right direction for nurses and midwives. So get it out. Have a look on my, either of the pages, Nurses and Midwives Against Bullying, or on my, my own pages, look for me on Facebook, Tammy Copley for Vice President. And I've got recommendations of councillors and people for the top table who I recommend. I'm not saying that's who you've got to vote for. They're just who I recommend. And you vote one in each category, Secretary, Assistant Secretary, President, Vice President. You just vote one in each one of those. Mm. Um, And then under councillors, you can vote for up to 22. I've recommended 11 of those people. And there's about 37, I think, of nominated. I've recommended 11. You don't have to vote for all 22. You just simply put an X in the box. Soon as you've done that, stick it in the envelope, post it straight back. We've got a a reasonable time to vote. It doesn't close to the 30th of April, but we've extended it this time because um, nurses and midwives in rural and regional Queensland, far north Queensland, had trouble the last time because of the mail process. And the mail process is even slower now, getting to places and the electoral offices in Sydney. So, yeah, so I'm going to have a voice on the Queensland Nurses and Midwives Union for every state and territory, because as far as I'm concerned, if something affects you in your state or territory, it is affecting someone in another state or territory.
0: Thank you so much, Tammy, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we have to just keep pushing forward. And I'm so grateful for people like you contributing positively to these real issues burdens that we face i'm so thank you thank you thank you so much on behalf of everybody there's so much gold in tonight's episodes i'm so grateful for your time i know that you are extremely busy and we ran over time but i'm so grateful for your time thank you for sharing your your wisdom your experience your knowledge and your passion for making this profession better for lifting it up empowering people and to stomp out this this bullying pandemic because as you yep. see on your page, we demand better.
1: We do demand better. We, we do have to get it out there. And it's time that we stop being silent. And we can only do it as a collective. I can't do it. I'm, a, I'm on one person. I am a midwife. I'm a nurse. Like anybody else, I'm one person. It's the collective. We've got nearly half a million nurses and midwives in Australia that are registered through APRA. Mm. that is a strong voice and on the page i've put before about how many in each state and territory and i might do that again put it back up to remind people that as a collective we have a loud voice the ama they will fight even if doctors are wrong they'll fight up they'll fight for each other they stand strong and there's nowhere near as many doctors mm. as there are nurses and midwives they have a strong voice we don't we back down, we run away because we're scared, we're, we're fearful of our jobs and everything, and I get that I've been in that same position. I'm even in that position now. I'm worried too, how long can I keep this job for? Are they gonna try and get rid of me because of my age or because of, you no, know, I had shoulder surgery? Um, you know, we're always worried about our job. The thing is, if we stand as a collective, they can't say no. If we stand as a collective, we've got a voice. And I don't care if that's union by union, association, association, state by state, territory by territory, or as we stand as a collective and go, enough is enough is enough.
0: Mm.
1: No, we've got to stand up.
0: The time is now, it's time to shake it up, Yes, shake it up and make it, make it better. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. And we will um, post the links to your pages, both your pages in the show notes. And we look, I look forward to following um, what happens with everything and following the page. Uh, please do join the Nurses and Midwives Against Bullying page on Facebook. And just make sure you meet all the criteria, including APRA number, very important. <laughs> um, yes,
1: yeah, <so> and remember but- <laughs> the APRA number is on the public domain. I like get yep. a lot of people saying, I don't want to give you my APRA number. Well, it's on the internet. Anyone can find it.
0: Anyone can find yep. it. But it's a great place to come and, and to share your story and start the healing process i guess because i think it's important that you can you can share that story with people like-minded people that have gone through something very similar i think that's super important
1: absolutely just de-identify your
0: stories yes thank you tammy thank you so much for your time it's been a pleasure until next time thank you for listening to the high performance nursing podcast thanks guys
2: bye
0: thank you so much for listening to the high performance nursing podcast Please rate, review and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. I would love you to join my online community of high-performance nurses. Join us on Facebook at Liam Caswell or check out my website at liamcaswell.com. Until next time, I have been your host Liam Caswell and I am truly grateful for the opportunity to help you build your high-performance nursing career. Be kind to yourself and stay forever curious.